This is News Source 1 Michiana. Your balanced source of news for the community. Welcome to Michiana Speak Out with Keith Thews. An interactive podcast where we can talk to you or you can speak to us. The show begins right after the national news. News Nation This Hour, I'm Vic Vaughn. The top Senate Democrat has called for a special in-person caucus tonight at 5 Eastern, ahead of debate on changing the Senate's rules to break a Republican-led filibuster on voting legislation. The AP Sagar Megani's in Washington. The package before the Senate has some of the most sweeping elections changes in a generation. It would include making Election Day a national holiday and requiring access to both early and mail-in voting, while Democrats say the changes are needed to overcome new state laws restricting the vote. Republicans argue the legislation's a federal overreach. Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is expected to use tonight's special caucus to gauge where Democrats are at should a vote be called to the floor. The World Health Organization has told World Economic Forum that fair and global distribution of a COVID-19 vaccine is central to ending the pandemic. There is no way out of this pandemic right now without vaccines as the central strategic pillar. And being able to use those vaccines equitably is not only a fair Uh, an important humanitarian objective. It is the best way for us all to get out of the pandemic. Michael Ryan's executive director of health emergencies, the WHO calls vaccine inequality the biggest failure of 2021. The United Nations has raised the death toll from twin earthquakes in western Afghanistan to 26, with roughly 800 mud-brick homes destroyed. The UN adds preliminary reports indicate that food, shelter and heating materials are most urgently needed. The Taliban are calling on international aid organizations to provide immediate help, including tents and other basic necessities for the victims. I'm Charles Duladesma. Parts of the northeastern U.S. are still digging out from more than a foot of snow with another storm on the way. Amber Engelman lives in Pittsburgh. The streets are barely plowed, not salted. National Weather Service meteorologist Zach Taylor says there's another reason digging out is going to be difficult. Temperatures uh, for most of this week will be uh, quite cold, so all the snow that fell is um, not really going to go anywhere. And he says for those who were impacted by the last storm. We are watching a system that might try to come together across the mid-Atlantic later this work week into Saturday. I'm Julie Walker. Find News Nation on your cable or satellite provider and stay up to date around the clock at newsnationnow.com and the News Nation Now app. I'm Vic Vaughn. From Feature Story News in Washington, I'm Simon Marks. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov will meet for crisis talks over Ukraine in Geneva on Friday. The news comes as tensions rise along the Russian border with Ukraine, where the Kremlin has massed more than 100,000 troops. The Secretary of State will visit Ukraine later this week and confer with European allies before his Friday meeting with the Russian Foreign Minister. Germany today was engaged in diplomacy as FSN's Julia Chapman reports from our Moscow bureau. Germany has been pushing diplomatically on both sides uh, with talks with uh, Russia today here in Moscow and also talks in Berlin with the NATO Secretary General where uh, this is what uh, Jens Stoltenberg had to say in Berlin. The risk of a conflict is real. NATO allies call on Russia to de-escalate. Any further aggression will come with a high cost for Moscow. So of course uh, there is still tension ongoing. The diplomatic push is continuing 
continuing on a number of fronts um, and certainly Russia uh, saying that it doesn't have any intention to invade Ukraine, but there are serious concerns about what it might be planning. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson says he categorically denies that he was warned that a drinks party in Downing Street in May of 2020 would break lockdown rules. His former adviser Dominic Cummings insists that he did warn the Prime Minister the party would break restrictions. From FSN's London Bureau, Ollie Barrett reports. Dominic Cummings claims he warned Boris Johnson not to let a gathering on May the 20th, 2020 go ahead. Boris Johnson says that's not true. I can't believe uh, that we would have gone ahead. Nobody warned me that it was against the rules. I can, I'm absolutely categorical about that, because I would, I would remember that. But Dominic Cummings' claims mean Boris Johnson's also facing allegations he misled Parliament last week when he insisted he thought the gathering he attended on May the 20th was a work event. The number of Omicron cases of COVID-19 reported in the northeastern part of the US appears to be declining, but that's not a trend seen across the country, and hospitalisation levels remain a concern. From FSN's bureau in New York, Will Den reports. The governor of New York, Kathy Hochul, says the COVID clouds are parting in the state, with COVID-19 positivity rates down significantly compared to a few weeks ago. But data suggests that US coronavirus-related hospitalizations have increased more than 50% over a two-week period. Other headlines today. The Spanish Prime Minister is warning unvaccinated tennis ace Novak Djokovic that he will have to comply with the country's health rules if he wants to play in the Spanish Open this year. And MI5 says it investigated the British terrorist who attacked a Texas synagogue over the weekend but concluded in late 2020 that Malik Faisal Akram posed no risk. From bureaus worldwide, this is FSN. With FSN Spotlight, I'm Simon Marks, looking today at the World Economic Forum. Normally at this time of year, world leaders, captains of industry and finance, representatives of non-governmental organisations and, of course, reporters are clambering through the snows in the Swiss town of Davos for one of the world's most influential annual economic shindigs. But for the second year running, COVID-19 has put paid to all of that. Davos is a ghost town and a limited programme of events is taking place only virtually. You know, I think everyone's a little tired of Zoom. I'm not going to lie. We were really looking forward to hosting it in person. Amanda Russo is head of media content for the World Economic Forum. She says there are still valuable conversations taking place this week. Environment makes up a quarter of the program. Coming on from COP26, we thought it was really important to continue these conversations. We highlighted in our global risk report that there's social justice issues around the world. They're growing. They're getting worse due to COVID-19. I think we can all realize that things have gotten a little bit harder for everybody. So we want to talk about how we can get more government support, more support for businesses to look beyond just the bottom line, to actually talk about how can we help the community? How can we help our people more? How can we make work more flexible? On Monday, Chinese President Xi Jinping kicked things off, urging greater global integration in a bid to combat the pandemic as he spoke to the scaled-down event. The main news again, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov will meet for crisis talks over Ukraine in Geneva on Friday. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson says he categorically denies that he was warned a Downing Street drinks party would break lockdown rules. And MI5 says the British national who attacked a synagogue in Texas was known to them but not considered a threat. There's more from us on Twitter at Feature Story. And that is the latest Feature Story news. 
Simon Marks reporting. Good afternoon. It is Tuesday, January the 18th, 2021. Welcome to Michigan Speak Out. We have breaking weather information, so let's get on with the bulletin from the National Weather Service. Winter storm watch in effect from Wednesday evening through Thursday afternoon. Asterisk what? Heavy lake effect snow possible. Highest total snow accumulations of 5 to 7 inches possible. Asterisk where? In Indiana, Laport County. In Michigan, Berrien County, especially close to Lake Michigan. Asterisk when? From Wednesday evening through Thursday afternoon. Asterisk impacts? Plan on slippery road conditions. The hazardous conditions could impact the morning or evening commutes. Asterisk additional details. Bands of heavy lake effect snow are possible Wednesday night through Thursday that may impact interstates 94, 100, and 96 and 94, as well as the toll road. Precautionary slash preparedness actions. Monitor the latest forecasts for updates on this situation. As with traveling into any area that may be impacted by winter weather, be sure to carry blankets, water, some extra food, and a flashlight. So, be aware we have lake effect snow that is going to be affecting the northwest areas of the New Source 1 listening areas. So, stay tuned. We'll keep you up to date with the latest uh, changes to that winter storm watch. This is Keith Thews. Good afternoon to you. It's a, a beautiful day so far. It's temperatures are in the 30s, but with the uh, incoming front and uh, air mass, we are expecting uh, lake effect snow to affect this area, although we're going to be in the, most of the Michigan won't be as affected, but uh, if you are in the lake effect zones, please be prepared. Our uh, podcast this afternoon focus is going to be as pretty much entirely on the situation on the Russia-Ukraine border. This is an international crisis that is taking place and developments are moving extremely quickly, it seems, um, especially today. Um, for those of you who have not been in the loop since December, uh, there are increasing hundreds of thousands of troops from Russia on the Ukraine border and uh, President Putin over there is wanting to take over the country of Ukraine, which used to be part of the Soviet Union. And so right now we have over 150,000 troops in climbing that are on the border. And as of today, the developments are that the Russian embassy in Ukraine has been evacuated. And also... There are now troops that are going into the country of Belarus. Um, back a few weeks ago, Russian nuclear-capable bombers flew over that country. Now they are going with troops into that area. I have shared videos from there. Um, it is just war, um, war games, practices, um, nothing serious, but... Best guesses are that it is used for a front to go into another part of the country 
of Ukraine. The world is up in arms. They have threatened economic sanctions. Um, according to some sources, um, Great Britain has uh, sent in some small arms into the country of Ukraine to help them to be able to fight. Um, an earlier post that I made of concern from um, Forbes magazine is that there are a number of nuclear power plants in the country of Ukraine and there's a potential for meltdowns, multiple meltdowns, should an invasion occur, um, which would be not a good situation at all. So it looks like a uh, a battle is impending, I will say at this point. And let's go ahead and get the latest discussion from GB News as well as Channel 4 News over in the United Kingdom. Just in the last 48 hours, there seems to be a change in the way some British and American commentators are looking at this situation. Is it your belief that Putin is about to launch an incursion into your country? That's what we fear, that's for sure. And it's not just us, as you mentioned, that our partners in NATO and around the globe start to understand what we've been saying for so many years, that they are coming to something. They can't just you know, sit there, shoot over the touchline. They will have to do something. They can't keep the thousands of troops at our border. And that's what we fear that some people were missing. I hope, and I see it now, that is coming to understanding. Putin makes a point, and he's made a point repeatedly, and this is a... A difficult one for you, I think, a difficult position for you to be in. You know, historically, I think the West has tended not to understand Russia or the Russian mentality, or the degree to which Russia can be a slightly paranoid and fearful country. But the point Putin makes, which I have some sympathy with, is he says, if you keep advancing NATO to our borders, we see that as a threat. We see it as a possible encirclement. And isn't the truth, Vadim, that over the last decade and more, there have been repeated conversations between NATO and the Ukraine as to whether you should join. The European Union have been pumping money into the Ukraine. And indeed, you know, when one of your presidents was brought down a few years ago, there were people in Kiev waving European Union flags. Do you not understand that actually the Ukraine... And I can understand, if I was Ukrainian, I'd want to join NATO. <laughs> I mean, I get that. But from a strategic point of view, aren't the West making a bit of a mistake in trying to drag the Ukraine into their orbit? If you consider West the EU and NATO, but you're right, let's talk about NATO first. Yeah. Let me show our perspective. In 1994, we decided to give up the nuclear weapons physically to Russia. Because you requested, you Americans and Russians, signed the agreement with us that we will be defended. There were no guarantees, but assurances. Oh, sorry, we didn't understand the difference in meaning of English words. We hoped that what we got at the, at the deal, that we give up the weapons, mm -hmm. which actually were more than you had, France and China together. So your life was much more safer since then, since 1994. And we believe that you and the United States and Russia will first 
will, will not threaten us with anything and will defend if anything happens to us because we can't defend ourselves with nuclear weapons anymore. And look at us now, after all these 30 plus years, we're now in a sort of waiting until one of those ones who are signing will come to us and the two of others who signed actually are not rushing to help us with this war. And you're right, we lost already 13 plus thousands yeah. of people. Yeah. So uh, that's our perspective. Yeah, no, I understand that perspective, but I also understand the Russian perspective. And historically, you know, British foreign policy in the past has used the buffer state concept. You know, Belgium was designed to be, in the end, the Germans invaded it, it caused a war. But so, so I do kind of understand what Putin... I'm not defending his actions, but I do understand that the ever-constant eastward expansion of NATO is seen by many in Russia to be a threat whether it is or isn't, but it seemed to be a threat. Now, overnight we learn that roughly 100 British troops have arrived in the Ukraine. We're helping provide you with more military equipment. If the situation on your eastern border does deteriorate, are you expecting us and the Americans to come and help? Uh, let's establish first that each and every nation has the right to defend itself mm -hmm. unilaterally or collectively. That's in the UN Charter. So Russia has the concerns, we also have our concerns. And you mentioned historically. Historically, we also wanted to be protected. And we, we can be protected by a piece of paper, which signed, not just the one Budapest Memorandum I mentioned, but there are treaties between Ukraine and Russia, how they love us, how they recognize our sovereignty, territorial integrity, and the rest. So I, we understand that they consider NATO a threat. We consider NATO as the only option for us, uh, the only umbrella, security umbrella. There is none in our part of the globe. So that's about NATO. Or talking about your presence on our borders, this is how these hundred people came to let our people know better the equipment we just received yeah. yesterday. Yeah. So their mission is quite limited. They will go back. But frankly, as a Ukrainian who is under threat, and a 40 plus million nation is under threat, I would ask all our partners to help with everything they can. And believe me, I, I should be modest, but I also expect any sort of help, boots on the ground as well. Now, your, your, your own army is quite considerable in size, isn't it? It's bigger, much bigger than it used to be. 250,000 plus 500 veterans who would easily take weapons back and defend the nations. So it's quite a sizable army. It's going to be... Well, look, Vadim Pristike, thank you for coming in. Uh, if there is an invasion of your country, it's going to pose some big problems here. You know, we've just left, we've just left Afghanistan after 20 years um, and not left it very well. Uh, this is going to be a major debate, uh, and, and listen, thank you for coming in, and we're going to follow this incredibly closely because it matters hugely. Thank you. Thank you very much. Build-up and bravado. Ukrainian tanks flexing for the cameras as 100,000 Russian troops amass on its border. But this morning, as British-supplied anti-tank weapons were landing in Ukraine, the German foreign minister touched down in Moscow and promptly told the Russians their actions could not be seen as anything other than a threat. The response? We don't threaten anybody with anything. And our reaction will obviously be predicated on what concrete steps our Western partners take. But the weapons in this feared conflict aren't just missiles and might, they're economic. This pipe being laid is part of Nord Stream 2, a new artery pumping Russian gas to the heart of Europe. A pump worth billions, which Germany refuses to turn on. Right now, the certification process for the pipeline is suspended. 
We've stressed repeatedly that, if energy was used as a weapon, this would have a corresponding effect on the pipeline. These manoeuvres from a month ago say Russia are just exercises. But will yet more sanctions stop them turning real? Russia has already been punished with penalties since invading Crimea in 2014 and spent the last eight years building not just a military but a financial fortress. War is expensive, but soaring oil prices make it more affordable for a nation swimming in black gold. Russia's break-even point is $43 a barrel. It's currently trading at around $87, a five-year high. Russia's been steadily strengthening its war chest, increasing cash and gold reserves by more than 70% since 2015 and now standing in excess of $620 billion. And all the while reducing reliance on foreign investment. Corporate loans from abroad have almost halved since 2015. How resilient are Russian finances to possible economic sanctions? I think altogether as a package, they would be quite debilitating. Um, but as you probably know, quite a lot of Russian businesses and individuals have actually been under sanctions since uh, 2014. So things like oil and gas corporations and defence, um, who are kind of considered real cornerstones of the Russian economy, um, have pretty much got used to it. The US Secretary of State Antony Blinken will meet Russia's foreign minister later this week in Geneva after a visit to Kiev. For now, though, the slow march towards a war everyone says they do not want continues. Oh yes, so I have. Well, joining me now from Washington is John Herbst, who's a former US ambassador to Ukraine. Mr. Herbst, if these talks do take place between NATO and Russia, uh, will they, do you think, succeed in averting conflict or not? Well, it is one man who will make a decision. Uh, you know what? We're struggling to hear you, I'm afraid. I thought it was perhaps a car uh, passing behind me, but I'm struggling to hear you. So I think we might try and let's just try one more time if you could answer that question. Thanks, Mr. Herbst. Okay. Um, it's all up to Mr. Putin. Um, he has massed the forces on Ukraine's border. He can order the to be removed from Ukraine's border. Um, I don't think the talks are key to it. They may provide a fig leaf for Putin to back down if he chooses to. It's unclear, though, whether he will back down. You say it's all up to Mr. Putin, but isn't the reality that all sides have to compromise in some respect, and that might extend even to some of the more hawkish voices in the White House? Well, um, I don't think the White House is particularly hawkish. I think their policy could be stronger. But in fact, it's Putin who's conducting a war in Ukraine right now. It's Putin who's threatening to send 100,000 more troops into Ukraine if his demands are not met. It sounds to me like someone is the aggressor. Um, we are happy to talk to Mr. Putin, but not to concede major points in order to avoid an, aggression, an additional aggressive policy from him. But if you adopt that stance, and if the White House adopts that stance, isn't there a risk of things escalating further and we stumble into a war that none of us want? Well, I think we've tried appeasement with Mr. Putin in Georgia in 2008, in Crimea in 2014. What we've learned is that we do nothing when Putin commits aggression, he commits additional aggression. Mr. Chamberlain was wrong to, excuse me, to compromise with Hitler in 1938. This is not 1938, but the same logic applies. But those words you're choosing are, you know, evoking some very uncomfortable historical comparisons here. Is that intentional? Look, as I said, this is not 1938, but Putin is a serial aggressor. 
to, to meet his demands when he's threatening additional aggression is only a way to guarantee more aggression, not a way to avoid a war. So when the, when the U.S. Secretary of State travels to Ukraine tomorrow, what do you think his message should be there? His message should be that the United States will do as it is promised. If Putin sends those forces into Ukraine, we will issue punishing sanctions on Russia in connection with the EU. We will also send additional weapons to Ukraine. We will also increase NATO's force posture in the East. All of these things will weaken Russians' geopolitical position, and they serve as a deterrent to additional Kremlin aggression. Again, the, the main point here is Putin is the aggressor, not Ukraine, not NATO, not the United States. It's Putin. And when you look at the troops on the border, do you believe 100% that Russia is serious? Uh, they deny that they plan to invade. So it, it, is it possible that this could be saber-rattling? I, I think it's most likely that it's saber-rattling because the West is much stronger than Russia and Putin does really not want those additional sanctions. He's trying to scare us into making concessions which cut against our interests. And I think he's failing at this point. John Herbst, thanks very much for joining us. And apologies about the quality of the line at first, but I'm very glad that we persisted. And again, we here at News Source One, Michiana, will keep you fully abreast of the developments over on the Russia-Ukraine border. We intend to make this a, uh, a top-of-the-line situation because this is uh, affecting multiple countries as well as uh, will involve NATO to some extent, the United Nations. So please take this situation seriously. Please keep watch over the local and international news on the developments over there. Two other things I need to bring your attention to. We've had a programming change. Um, I have dropped the Dana Lash's Absurd Truth podcast. Um, she's had some occasional foul language, but uh, the thing that, saying, that changed over the top was a pretty crass statement that she made on Thursday, a joking comment um, in regards to um, the George Floyd knee on the neck. I felt that wasn't appropriate, and so I have made the change in programming to the Michael Medved show. He is another conservative commentator through SRN Radio Network. He's a talk show host. So uh, that's the reason for the change on that. And uh, let's go ahead and uh, go over to Pastor Joel for some better news as we wrap up this shortened podcast with happy and whole in him. I saw this quote the other day, live life the way you want to. You owe it to yourself. I'm sure you've heard similar quotes. They're popular today. And such sayings sound good in our ears, don't they? But let's stop. Let's think about this one. Is it possible? This could be another one of Satan's greatest hits. Greetings. I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church, and we've been considering the devil and his deceptions seeking to uncover his lies, which frankly often are so appealing. Live life the way you want to. You owe it to yourself. Is this what God our Creator wants us to believe? Or is this a lie, one the devil so weaved into the fabric of our culture that it now seems good, it now seems true? You know, back in 1969, Frank Sinatra came out with a song called My Way. 
And My Way stayed in the UK's top 40 for 75 weeks, a record that still stands. And it's really a brilliant piece, bringing together theater and music, suggesting that all of life is played on a stage. Sinatra called it his curtain call, and he wants to make sure that you did not miss the point of his life. He repeats, I did it my way, and the song ends with these words. Listen. For what is a man? What has he got? If not himself, then he has not. To say the things he truly feels, and not the words of one who kneels. Now, it's a catchy song, but let's consider what's being said. Is this a good way to live, a reasonable philosophy? He's really good. He starts off with a question about identity. What is man? What is he about? And he concludes that you're not yourself if what you say is not what you truly feel, if you're compelled to speak only what another wants because you're one who kneels. So let's consider, is adopting this worldview the way to freedom? In a conversation where Jesus is talking about how he was sent from his heavenly Father, Jesus says in John 8, 31, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus says that the way to freedom is his teaching. It's only as you hold to his teaching that you can then know the truth and be set free. Do you hear Jesus saying that you are not free until and unless you accept his authority? <laughs> I wonder what folks would say to Jesus today if he said that to them. I think they would react like the crowd did to Jesus in his day. They answer back, We've never been slaves, and they question how Jesus could suggest that they're not free. You know what Jesus says back? Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And when Jesus says very truly, he means this is no joke. And then he repeats that freedom is only found in him. He says, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now, the question for us at this point is, do we believe Jesus, that he's the only way to truth and freedom? Now, I hope none of us would say we don't sin, that we don't ever miss the mark. I don't know anyone who would tell me they're perfect. Would you say to me you're sinless? No, we all sin. But some of these folks nonetheless continue to argue, and then Jesus drops the bomb on them for why they won't listen. He says, you belong to your father, the devil and you want to carry out your father's desires. You hear what Jesus is saying here? Every person you meet is not doing it their own way. They're not living out their freedom and autonomy. Every person you meet today is actually carrying out the desires of their father. And there's only two fathers, the heavenly father and the devil. Friends, the Bible has radically different ideas about freedom and authority than the philosophies of our culture. Paul will describe all of mankind as being dead in sins, following the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Ephesians 2 verses 1 and 2. And Paul's speaking of the devil and his scheming. Do we believe Jesus? Or do we think we know the truth about ourselves better than he does? Are we certain that we're living as those who are truly free? Is it possible, my friend, that if we're not under the authority of Jesus, our lives are a senseless pursuit of self-rule on a stage guided and under the direction of a tyrant, Satan, 
who wants nothing more than to make us miserable and then destroy us. My friend, the fact is man is a glorious creature, one next to God, made a little lower than the angels, Psalm 8. But when our first parents bought into the first lie of Satan, we lost our freedom to be who God created us to be. Image bearers meant to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Now maybe you're thinking, Pastor Joel, I'll look into this, but not yet. My friend, one of the devil's, devil's other lies is that there's no hurry, no rush. You have plenty of time to decide. That's actually one of his favorite chains to keep folks imprisoned. So convince me, my friend, that you are not under the rule of a miserable father, that you are free. Joel, how can I convince you that I'm free? By bowing the knee to King Jesus, the one who came to set you free by purchasing you with his own blood. Bow the knee to him and say, I am not my own. I've been bought at a great price. And then discover true freedom as you live to please your heavenly father, being who you were recreated to be, a beloved child of God. Remember who you are and who you belong to. <coughs> Hello? Man, where are you? This wedding is lit. I thought you were coming. Ooh. I can't. I'm in bed with the flu. <coughs> the flu? You didn't get a flu shot? Uh, <clears throat> I wish I did. I can't believe I'm missing out on Greg's wedding. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Grandma's about to crowd, sir. Grandma's about to what? <coughs> what? Man, I'll call you back. <coughs> oh, man. <coughs> Sounds like another case of flu FOMO. Don't get stuck at home with the flu. A flu shot is safe, effective, and you can get it at the same time as your COVID-19 vaccine. A flu shot is the best way to prevent the flu and its potentially serious complications. It keeps you protected and also protects your loved ones. Protecting our community can't wait. So why get stuck inside with the flu? Don't get flu FOMO. Learn more at GetMyFluShot.org. Brought to you by the AMA, CDC, and the Ad Council. This is News Source 1 Michiana. Elkhart South Bend, 